to the Everyday Real Estate Investor podcast uh, where we talk about how you can be very busy with other things in your life, uh, you know, whether that's family, hobbies, another business, your profession, um, and still get the benefits of real estate investing, uh, tips and tricks, tactics, strategies to be able to do that and, uh, and get the benefits of investing while still being busy and, and not having it maybe take over your whole life. So. Um, I'm excited to be here with Chase Fraser. Uh, he is a <laughs> awesome. <laughs> we practiced that one, right? Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, Mr. House Hack, right? So we're going to talk about um, house hacking and why that is a great strategy. And um, he's done a bunch of it. He's got a lot of insights. So I love this strategy. I think it's a great strategy. So I'm excited about it. Uh, Chase is also a uh, real estate broker, so he's busy with business with that. He's got a lot going on, um, but able to find ways to incorporate investing into uh, into his life. So thanks for being here. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Awesome. So tell us a little bit first about like how you first started getting involved in real estate. What brought you into the real estate world? Yeah, in, in another life, I was actually in the golf industry, and I was teaching people how to golf you know, I was working, I was right out of college, uh, working 70 hours a week, you know, Monday through Saturday. And um, it was a job because I was working 70 hours a week. I wasn't making a bunch. If you calculate the hourly rate, I was probably making like $13 an hour. So it, it was tough. And, you know, I would give somebody a lesson at 11 o'clock every single Tuesday and he never missed without fail. And, you know, you wonder to yourself, like, what do you do? that allows you the time and money freedom to take an $85 golf lesson from somebody who doesn't really know what they're talking about um, <laughs> to play, you know, an upper middle class sport like three or four times a week. And it's like, I, I looked around and everybody who came and took lessons was either an executive, an entrepreneur, business owner, or in real estate in one way, shape or another. So it's like, okay. Um, then I left that golf job because I was, tired of working so much. I uh, got a job at a major corporation to where I thought, okay, I can work 40 hours a week. I can have paid time off, you know, good benefits. And then, oh, I can retire. You know, they're going <laughs> to, they're going to let me retire at 62 and a half. And I thought that was the bee's knees until I was there for a year and a half. It's like, um, I'm not looking to climb the corporate ladder. I'd rather own it. A la Robert Kiyosaki. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I'm working that job and I'm starting to realize it's not who I am or who I want to be. Um, and I, before I left my golf job, I got introduced to a real estate podcast and it, you know, one of those, I can do that, right? That everybody knows when they get stung by that bee, like, yeah. Oh, that sounds That's amazing. Real estate, but, but, but I mean, I was, it was, it was okay. I'm going to ask you cause I, I'm not, Hey, I, all education is great. So what was the podcast? You remember? Uh, Epic real estate investing. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And you know, this is just one podcast, so there's lots of great. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, I learned about that and, you know, before I, before I went, uh, before I left my job, I was introduced to Dave Ramsey's total money makeover. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And then, so if, for those of you who don't know, Ramsey is no debt period ever. Debt is bad. Right. And then the next book I read was rich dad, poor dad. Yeah, talk about your opposites, right? Yeah, I've got two different ends of the spectrum, yeah. and it's like, You're like uh, wait, I'm so confused. Which yeah. one is right? Yeah. So, like, I kid you not, I spent the next five years doing education on financial, financial education, as Robert Kiyosaki says, and I was because I was on both ends of the spectrum, and I needed to fill in the middle, yeah. fill in the gaps. So, yeah. like, everything, I, anything I could get my hands on, I devoured. So, 
I, uh, I'm at the major corporation. I decided I'm going to get into real estate somehow while I'm still working there. I'm going to all these real estate investor meetups. Um, I get laid off from my job because it's a corporation. They get in and out of certain um, lines of business and everybody that is on the team that I'm on gets laid off too. Mm. So uh, go on unemployment and I took the opportunity while I was on unemployment to write a business plan for rehabbing houses. Awesome. So okay. then I, um, I write this business plan and I find investors. Mm-hmm. I've got more zeros in my bank account than I've ever seen. It's like, whew, I'm rich. <laughs> so I teamed up with a company who specialized in um, foreclosure properties. Obviously, this isn't the market we're in today. This right. is like right. I was going to say, so this was planned about? 2016. Okay. Is okay. what it happened. Yep. So I go to their meetings every Wednesday and they're like, you know, we're going to bid for the property for you at the auction steps. So there's no emotion involved. There's a little bit of a fee you pay us. Um, you rehab it and the, just the agreement is they get the list back, right? So they get okay. on the front end and the back end and don't worry, we're not going to let you have any bad deals. They say, right. right. Um, so that should be your first <laughs> little, little, little nugget. So, um, you know, I would submit, you know, what I'd be willing to pay for a property, um, and you know, week after week after week and not get any phone calls. And I'm like getting a little frustrated because I want, I want to be an investor. I want to be a game. Yeah. And then all of a sudden one week I get a call like Chase got you a condo. And it was the most exciting phone call I've ever got. Cause I am now in the game. Right. It's like perfect. And a lot of times that's like when people are getting started, I mean, getting that first deal, uh, is, is usually the biggest hurdle, right? Yes. Yeah, it's a mindset thing. It's a, it's a momentum thing. There's a lot of reasons for that. But yeah, getting that first deal, if you can push to get that first deal, and the exactly. second deal is easier than from there forward. Exactly. Exactly. So like, I was really excited. And it was funny because, you know, later that day they called me again. It's like, hey, there's another one that we could buy for you. Do you want it? And I'm like, oh, let's just stick with one for now because I need to get my feet wet. And that was a, a saving grace. So I buy this condo, not knowing anything about condos or HOAs or special assessments. Now as realtors, we know all of that. Um, And long story short, it took me 10 months to lose $30,000, right? In that deal, because there was a special assessment, which for those of you who don't know, um, that uh, an HOA is is a group of people who are members of the condominium association and they make decisions for everybody, right? And um, a lot of condos have dry rot or other sorts of faults with them right. that have to be fixed. Yeah, so specifically with condos, right, it's, it's, uh, it's different than being a most single-family home HOAs where they maybe take care of the landscaping or yeah. just like making sure people keep their houses up. With a condo, it usually covers all the exterior maintenance, if it needs a new roof, if it needs siding and paint, all that stuff. And you know, me being young and naive at that point, it's like, oh, okay, they take care of all that, must just come out of the dues they pay. I won't ever have to come out of pocket. Always check those, right? Only to find (laughs) out that um, the special assessment stuck with me, it didn't stick with the prior owner because he got foreclosed on, and that um, special assessment had to be paid off at closing. So I go from looking at a nice first paycheck to, holding on to the property because you know the, the agent have the to write side, a check to sell it is that what you're they're just going to come out all the proceeds yeah okay. right yeah. so um i just ripped the band-aid off and said i'm going to lose money get me out of here and i decided i'm not going to flip houses anymore because i had 10 months where i couldn't turn the expense faucet off i'm right. leaking money yeah. so i get licensed um and um my goal from reading robert kiyosaki has always been always to own a portfolio of income producing assets mm-hmm. right multifamily, 
and rewind back back to when I was working for the corporation, I was I had learned about house hacking then, and it's um, um, at that point in time when I first learned about it, I was angry. It's like, what do you mean? I can buy multifamily with three and a half percent down, keep it in place. After I move out, and do it again a year later. And as many times as I would, I was upset. Right. <laughs> so let's let's back up real quick and like and and let's let's define house hacking. Sure. Um, house hacking is a way for people to get into buy and hold real estate investing with a relatively low financial barrier to entry. Right. How it works is someone purchases a residential property of one to four units. They're, and the trick is they're going to live in one of those one of those rooms or units, and then they're going to rent out the rest. By renting out the rest and applying those funds towards the mortgage payment, that's how they can reduce their cost of living, and then you know hopefully save up more money to buy the next one. You know, you, you and I both know the um, financial independence equation is you achieve financial independence when your passive income is greater than or equal to your expenses, mm -hmm. right? House hacking hits both sides of that equation because you buy a property and you're collecting rent, right? So there's passive income, but by applying that rent towards your mortgage payment, that makes the mortgage payment smaller or even non-existent. So your expenses go down. So you yeah. have to attack both sides of the equation at once. Um, when I talk about money, the best way in my mind to think about it is we're all holding a bucket, right? And money is water in that bucket. And there's holes in the bucket, which is which are our expenses, mm -hmm. and the money that comes in cash flow, right? Um, so you got money coming in and money going out, and the assumption is we would rather have our buckets filling up than emptying out. At worst, we'd like them to stay the same level. Right. So house hacking creates another stream of income, but it also makes that hole in your bucket smaller. So your bucket's filling up quicker, which then allows you to buy more assets, which then fills your bucket up faster, which allows you to buy more assets. Right. So it's a virtuous cycle. Right. So talk about that. You alluded to the, um, you know, getting in with a with a low down payment, right? So so why um, touch on the financing side of it and why it would make why why don't I just buy a single family? Like I'll buy my house and then I'll and then I'll just buy a duplex. Uh, you know, why, yeah. why don't I just do that instead of buying? I don't want to live in a place with someone else next to me. That's a great. I mean, that is a great question. And in all honesty, the power of house hacking is in the finance. So, some people may not know that you can only have one FHA loan to your name at one point in time, right? Oh, okay. Actually, I didn't even. I should know that. I right? Should, You're I a should, realtor. You should, should know that. I shouldn't admit that I don't know. Right? That. Yeah, that's okay. Modesty is a good hey, we're, we're all learning every day, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. So you can only have one FHA loan to your name at any one point in time. There are loopholes to that and reasons why you can have multiple, but let's just pretend that there's not. So what that means is if you buy a duplex and you house hack it and you want to use an FHA loan, then like for the first one, when you go to buy another one, if you want to use an FHA loan again, you have to, you can't do it because you already have one in your name. So you would have to refinance out of that first FHA loan gotcha. to use it again on the next one. People don't necessarily realize that. And they're like, shoot, now I can't do this. This, this, the strategy was faulty because they didn't get the, the yeah. lending aspect correct. Yeah. So um, you can... And there's other loan options other than FHA, but typically FHA is going to give you your lowest down and probably your best rate right. options. Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, so then what would have to happen in that scenario is you'd have to refinance out of that FHA to then be able to use it again on the next one. That might take two, three, four, five years, right? We're, sure. we're to get enough equity to, yeah, to, yeah. Get, enough equity to refi into a conventional. 
um, when my wife and I purchased, we, there was a 5% conventional option, right? Um, so um, here's a little secret not a lot of people know. My wife owns the duplex. She's on title, she's on the mortgage. I'm, there you not, go. I'm not on it. I'm technically her tenant, but that is by design um, because our strategy is a leapfrogging strategy, right? She buys number one. Then, because I'm not tied to it, and Oregon is a personal property state, is that right? We're not a community property state. Right, Washington's yeah, okay. a community property state. We're a personal property state. So her debt is not my debt, right? So when we go to buy number two, I buy number two. Well, I got, uh, so like a couple objections, for lack of a better word, that people have against house hacking. Uh -huh. right? I don't want to live next to my tenants. Right. Okay, so um, here's my experience with that. Um, our tenants are great, so I guess we've probably gotten lucky with that, but we've done the, the right thing to do is screening, and you, you, it has to be like, you might as well not put the names, genders, familiar status, um, pets, or whatever. You don't want to know that. You just have to run the numbers. And then in, in different municipalities, the first one you get that's acceptable, you have to accept, right? right. So you yeah. just follow the rules. You do the background checks. Can't check credit, right? Because that's... Um, yeah, crazy. Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> you follow the rules. Our tenants, we had a conversation with them the other day, and they're like, we're so glad that you are our landlords and you're right next door because it's easy to easy to talk to them. Yeah. You also see the property every single day, right. so they're likely, it's like they've got their parents watching over them, so they're not doing anything crazy. Um, and then, so the other thing is that we learn quickly. So here, here's a nugget out there for all the people who are either house hacking currently, or even if you're a landlord and you have like a, a tenant bring something up to you that you don't want to do, right? So we had a tenant ask, can I, you know, sign lease, everything's in, in writing. They asked, um, can we pay this month in cash, right? So that's, that's a question. Um, and then we had another tenant, we're, we're turning over a unit, the, the two, there's people in there, there's two couples, and um, one's leaving, the other is staying, the other's, you know, might, um, financing for them is gonna be a stretch. They still qualify, right. so we can't ask them to leave, but they still qualify. And they asked, you know, for the first couple months while we're here, can we pay like 80% of the rent, right? So we have to realize that, you know, when I thought, when I first thought I was gonna get all into all this, that no, like, what, right. like oh, I'm gonna be such a hard oh, ass, you know, human, like, oh no, can't be. The human side of it came in. We are <laughs> human beings running a business with other human beings. Right. right? So you enter emotional stuff, right? Yeah. So here's, here's how we found out how to take those on. It's like, you have to be, you understand, hey, I appreciate that, but what we need to do is we need to honor the lease agreement that we both signed. Right. And it's done. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's not the most comfortable conversation, but it's, it's good practice though. But it gives <laughs> you the, the scapegoat is the lease agreement. Yeah. You know, yeah. as you and I both know and negotiate. I think that's a good tip for people that are like, I don't want my tenant coming over and saying I can't pay rent and then yeah. having to deal with it, right? You know, yeah. I'm I'm sorry that's happening. Um, we do need to honor the lease agreement, and we're just gonna go by step by step what the lease agreement says that I'm supposed to do to honor my side of the agreement. You know, for providing you with housing. Yeah. Right. I, I know what I was going to touch on real quick earlier was, was uh, it's kind of a financing piece, but one of the things that uh, this is when I was talking about why I bring it up to, to people is especially if they're like on the cusp um, of now it's hard to find duplexes and stuff in this market too, mm -hmm. but 
if they're like on the cusp of what they find what they can qualify for for financing a single family home um, a lot of times in the financing you can include rents for the second or third or fourth units right to right. help qualify for uh, for a loan so if you're looking at you know, a $400,000 single family home that they qualify for versus they could maybe get a duplex for 550, you know, I'm just throwing numbers out there. But um, if the rents on those are, you know, $1,200, $1,500, that they probably can qualify for the duplex a lot easier than they qualify for right, single Right, right. So, so I'll, those I'll are made up numbers, but like essentially yeah, that, yeah. the whole point is you can use the rents to, to offset and, and you can qualify for more typically on a two to four unit because you're exactly. using that other income to help you qualify. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'm not a lender. So I don't want to miss that point. Yeah, I'm not a lender, but I'll touch on that from, from okay. my experience. Yeah. So what you can do, you're totally right. You can uh, you can't qualify for more house when you add in rental income. Um, you can count rental income on two, three, and four units, but not with a single family home unless you have rental history previously. Sure. So let's say you're buying a duplex and you know you qualify for a four hundred thousand dollar house, but now you want to qualify or you want to you want a house hack. You want to get a duplex. The lender is going to look at the amount of rent that the other unit um, produces, and they're going to take away 25% of it as a vacancy factor. That's what they call it. It's basically to cover their butts, yeah. right? Um, so then what they do is they add, say if it rents for 1000 they take away 25% of that, which is two fifty. They would then add the seven fifty to your monthly income and then reuse that to qualify. Yep. So then if you're, you can, you know, you can do that on two, three, and four units as well. Okay. If you really want to stump a lender or find out if they know what they're talking about, the rules change from whether you're buying a duplex versus a three and four unit. And here's what it's it is. Annoying. There is some, <laughs> yes, it is. There's something called the self-sufficiency yes. test. And this I found thing, that one out hard you, yeah. you know, <laughs> I did too, but the lender saved it. We both, really? we, wow, that's awesome. we okay. both learned out it the hard way. And we're looking at this, like we've released earnest money at this point oh, in time wow. because okay. you know, they had to evict somebody that the, the buyer is going to move into. And it's like, how, how do we overcome this? So here's what the self-sufficiency test is. Here you go. Break out your pencils and pens and calculators too. <laughs> So the self-sufficiency test is the um, the rent, and I don't know if it's current rents or or market value. I think it's I think it's whichever's lower. I yeah. think it's what they I think they look at both and whichever's lower. So let's say again, let's just say we're looking at a fourplex, right? And um, whatever the purchase price is, let's say that your monthly PITI payment, your monthly mortgage payment is thirty one hundred dollars. Okay. And then let's say that those current rents for all the units is $4,000, right? So the banks is gonna, the self-sufficiency test is they're gonna take the rents for all the units and they're gonna take away 25% of that. Mm -hmm. So 25% um, of 4,000 is $1,000. So now you're left with the number of 3,000. That's the number they've got. And if you remember, I just said the mortgage payment could be $3,100. That property does not qualify because the mortgage payment is higher than their number that they came up with. Yep. So yep. if you want to really weed out, if you talk to three lenders, oh yeah, I know what house hacking is. I've helped a bunch of them. It's like, okay, tell me what the self-sufficiency yeah. test is. <laughs> you, they, I'm astounded how many times I ask that question. And yeah, and depending on how tight it is, you can put a little bit more down or something, right? To get a yeah. threshold, but yeah. What we did in that transaction we had, so they were buying a triplex, um, the current rents were a thousand bucks and you know, we found out the hard way. It's like, um, this doesn't pass a self-sufficiency test. So we challenged the appraised rents. So we were, worked. Oh. yeah, oh. well, no, oh. <laughs> <laughs> we were able to challenge the appraised rents. You know, you, you just, you have a property management company, run rental comps, put it on letterhead, have them sign it. 
Um, and then your realtor should be able to do that for you too. They should know property mm -hmm. managers, especially if they're house hacking savvy. Um, but <clears throat> we needed the rents for those units to come in at 1270 at each unit and they came back at 1250. And they, oh, like, they were like, no. It's like, what? Like 20 bucks, yeah. Yeah, so it's $60 <laughs> total. Yeah. So what wow. they ended up doing is they switched from an FHA to um, you know, a conventional 5% down. And gotcha. Like, and they're able to get money that Wow, was, that, is, that was so close. That That's was crazy. Puckery. Yeah. And you know, that was one of the first. Uh, that was the first more, uh, more than a duplex that I had done, and you know you yeah, learn it quick. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, awesome. that's that's, that's good you, that they're able to get it done though. Yes, yeah, because you know, also for first time house hackers out there um, or people who are looking in to do it, the easiest place to buy is someplace that's vacant, right? Um, then or at least one unit's vacant because then you're going to move into that unit and you don't have to deal with an eviction of any sort. Right. If right, you buy, yeah. if you're going to buy a property that's Occupied. If one of the units is owner occupied, that's the next easiest. Because then just move out, then we'll move in, right? Yeah. If yeah. it's got tenants in it, especially in our market, then there's a lot of moving parts. And what that means is a lot of times the seller has to serve an eviction notice to those tenants, and that is a huge risk for that seller. Right. Um, and what has to happen is the buyer has to show the seller that A, they understand that it's a risk, and B, they're willing to put skin in the game. Yeah. So when what we So when you have that non-refundable Yeah, so yeah. our our process for it is so we we write the contract and we state that um, we're gonna order the appraisal right away. And then we also state that after we get through the appraisal contingency and inspection contingency, after that happens, we're going to release some or all of our earnest money as non-refundable. And at that point in time, that's when that seller serves the eviction notice. Gotcha. And then based on the laws, we close 35 days after that eviction notice is, is served because that gives the tenants or the new buyers enough time to move in before that eviction notice is at the end of its, of its time. Right, yeah, and, and part of the reason the, that that's important is because in, in these loans, you're stating you're going to occupy the property and there's uh, time frames that you need to occupy the property within, otherwise you're already, you're yep. default to your loan. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. so um, if memory serves me correctly, and I think I, it's 30 days. I've heard 60, so in the bank okay. size, oh, it is 60. You're in right. the bank sorry, size, yep. you must be able to move in within 60 days. Yes, you're right, it is 60. Yep. And if there's a current lease in place, uh, it has to terminate at day 59. So that you yes. move in on day 60. Yep. So these timelines get tricky. And, yep. um, yeah, so you can't serve a 90-day notice after you exactly. close the property because exactly. you're not going to be able to move. Yep. Yeah, so in Oregon, our eviction timeline is 90 days from the date that it's served, unless yep. it's served you know, by mail, then it's, you know, all those other yep. silly <laughs> rules. So you serve the notice. Uh, so if you serve it on the day of closing, then the tenant would technically have 90 days to move out, but you have to be within, in within 60. And that's yep. a no-go for the... Um, the yep. bank so you exactly. have to serve yep. you have to serve that notice and then they have 90 days to get out so you can close 30 and days i think later. a lot of times the banks check to make sure that you're going to be able to occupy yes uh, yeah. within that 60 days yes they won't, they're not going to take your word for it that oh i'm going to do cash for keys or something no you, you have to have you, you got to show them yep so you have to show them the lease agreement and then you have to show them the eviction notice yeah yep so yep all that fun stuff well, this has been good stuff. I, I yeah. appreciate uh, the conversation, house hacking. Like I said, it's one of my favorite strategies. I, like you, wish that I would have started off that way. Um, so I, I, But you're never too old to start. That's either, very true. Right? Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm very pushing true. 40, and we're going to do it again. <laughs> awesome. Right? 
So yeah, find a way to make it work, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's why I'm I'm maybe not as passionate about you. You're obviously very passionate about it, which is awesome. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I bring it up uh, whenever I, I see that it could be a great opportunity for people to, to consider. So um, so you're you're very active on, out there. Tell people how to get in touch with you if they want to reach out and have questions about house hacking. Yeah, yeah. So um, you can always call or text me at my phone number. It's 509 393-9123, that's my personal cell. Um, text is probably better. Uh, I, I do consultations, like 15 minute consultations with people, I don't care where you're at in the in the world, I'm happy to chat about house hacking. You can email me at chase at mrhousehack.com, that's C-H-A-C-E at M-R-H-O-U-S-E-H-A-C-K.com. Um, I've got a website, mrhousehack.com. I'm, it hasn't been, I'm not gonna lie, it hasn't been updated in a while, <laughs> but. Um, hey, but they can, they can connect with you. Yeah, yeah you, can, you can connect with me on that. You can set up uh, the 15 minute appointment on that. Um, I'm on Bigger Pockets. Facebook, um, Mr. House Hack is one of the business pages. So if they go to if they go to social media and search Mr. House Hack, I should, I, I should show up. Awesome. Yeah, it might show up as Mr. House Hack Group because that's my group within uh, EXP, the brokerage that I'm with. So awesome. uh, working on building a, a nationwide um, referral network for people who are looking to house hack. Because as you know, if you're um, trying to house hack and you get a, a green agent or even someone who's never done the transaction, that agent or lender for that matter um can sabotage the transaction because they just simply don't know what's going on right so. it was great having you here chase appreciate the time I enjoyed it hopefully people have seen the benefits of house hacking and um maybe are considering another strategy that they haven't considered before so uh looking forward to connecting to you all out there thanks for listening in reach out and connect to chase ask him more questions about house hacking and get in the game yeah. thanks everyone thanks for having me man yeah, thanks.